Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode we are going to read chapters 31 to 32 and in the previous episode we read chapters 29 to 30 and in the previous episode Nico, Reyna, and Coach Hedge had encountered someone that they were hoping not to encounter in their journey towards Camp Half-Blood but unfortunately luck is not always on their side they had been able they had met up with bryce octavian's right hand man and as they're dueling with him we end off with bryce leaving a trail of blood on reyna and it seems that nico might be in for a surprise surprising others and himself as we read chapter 31 let's see what exactly happened so chapter 31 Nico. Later, they told him what happened. All he remembered was the screaming. According to Reyna, the air around him dropped to freezing. The ground blackened, and in one horrible cry, he unleashed a flood of pain and anger on everyone in the clearing. Reyna and Koj experienced his journey through Tartarus, his capture by the giants, his days wasting away inside that bronze jar. They felt Nico's anguish from his days on the Argo Second, and his encounter with Cupid in the ruins of Salona. They heard his unspoken challenge to Bryce Lawrence loud and clear. You want secrets? Here. The spartoid disintegrated into ashes. The rocks of the cairn turned white with frost. Bryce Lawrence stumbled, clutching his head, both nostrils bleeding. Nico marched toward him. He grabbed Bryce's probatio tablet and ripped it off his neck. You aren't worthy of this. Nico growled. The earth split under Bryce's, Bryce's feet. He sank up to his waist. Stop! Bryce clawed at the dirt and the plastic bouquets, but his body kept sinking. You took an oath to the Legion. Nico's breath steamed in the cold. You broke its rules. You inflicted pain. You killed your own centurion. I, I did it! I, you should have died for your crimes, Nico continued. That was the punishment. Instead, you got exile. You should have stayed away. Your father, Orcus, may not approve of broken oaths, but my father, Hades, really doesn't approve of those who escape punishment. Please! That word didn't make sense to Nico. The underworld had no mercy. It only had justice. You're already dead, Nico said. You're a ghost with no tongue, no memory. You won't be sharing any secrets. No! Bryce's body turned dark and smoky. He slipped into the earth up to his chest. No, I am Bryce Lawrence. I'm alive. Who are you? Nico asked. The next sound from Bryce's mouth was a chattering whisper. His face became indistinct. He could have been anyone, just another nameless spirit among millions. Be gone, Nico said. The spirit dis dissipated. The earth closed. Nico looked back and saw that his friends were safe. Reyna and the coach stared at him in horror. Reyna's face was bleeding. Arm and Argentum turned in circles as if their mechanical brains had short-circuited. Nico collapsed. His dreams made no sense, which was almost a relief. 
A flock of ravens circled into a dark sky, then the ravens turned into horses galloping through the surf. He saw his sister Bianca sitting in the dining pavilion at Camp Half-Blood with the hunters of Artemis. She smiled and laughed with her new group of friends. Then Bianca changed into Hazel, who kissed Nico on the cheek and said, I want you to be an exception. He saw the harpy Ella with her shaggy red hair and red feathers, her eyes like dark coffee. She perched on the couch of the big house's living room. Propped next to her was the magical stuffed leopard head, Seymour. Ella rocked back and forth, feeding the leopard Cheetos. Cheese is not good for harpies, she muttered. Then she, then she scrunched up her face and enchanted one of her memorized lines of prophecy. The fall of the sun, the final verse. She fed Seymour more Cheetos. Cheese is good for leopardheads. Seymour roared in agreement. Ella changed into a dark-haired, extremely pregnant cloud nymph, writhing in pain in a camp bunkhead, bunk bed. Clarice LaRue sat next to her, wiping the nymph's head with a cool cloth. Melly, you'll be fine, Clarice said, though she sounded worried. No, nothing is fine, Melly wailed. Gaia is rising! The scene shifted. Nico stood with Hades in the Berkeley Hills on the day Hades first led him to Camp Jupiter. Go to them, said the god. Introduce yourself as a child of Pluto. It is important you make this connection. Why? Nico asked. Hades dissolved. Nico found himself back in Tartarus, standing before Achilles, the goddess of misery. Blood streaked her che cheeks, tears streamed from her eyes, dripped on the shield of Hercules in her lap. Child of Hades, what more could I do to you? You are perfect, so much sorrow and pain. Nico gasped. His eyes flew open. He was flat on his back, staring at the sunlight and the tree branches. Thank the gods. Reyna leaned over him, her hand cool on his forehead. The bleeding cut on her face was completely gone. Next to her, Coach Hedge scowled. Sadly, Nico had a great view right up the coach's nostrils. Good, said Coach Hedge. Just a few more applications. He held up a large square bandage coated with sticky brown gunk and plastered over Nico's nose. What is... Ugh. The gunk smelled like potting soil, cedar grapes, grape juice, and just a hint of fertilizer. Nico didn't have the strength to remove it. His senses started to work again. He realized he was lying on a sleeping bag outside the tent. He was wearing nothing but his boxer shorts and a thousand gross brown plastered bandages all over his body. His arms, legs, and chest were itchy from the drying mud. Uh, are you... are you trying to plant me? He murmured. It's sports medicine with a little nature magic, said the coach. Kind of a hobby of mine. Nico tried to focus on Reyna's face. You approve this? She looked like she was about to pass out from exhaustion, but she managed to smile. Coach Hedge brought you from the brink. The unicorn draught, ambrosia, nectar. We couldn't use any of it. You were fading so badly. Fading? Don't worry about that, kid. Hedge, Hedge put a drinking straw next to Nico's mouth. Have some Gatorade. I, I don't want... You'll have some Gatorade, the coach insisted. Nico had some Gatorade. He was surprised at how thirsty he was. What happened to me? He asked. To Bryce? To those skeletons? 
Reyna and the coach exchanged an uneasy look. There's good news and bad news, Reyna said. But first, eat something. You'll need your strength back before you hear the bad news. And that's the end of chapter 31. And it's definitely a very fascinating chapter, to say the least. I think that we're truly starting to see the full potential. Well, not even the full potential, but we're slowly rising in potential at what a child of the big three can do. I mean, we've seen with what, with what Percy has been able to do throughout the entirety of these all of these books. But since we're now starting to get an introduction to Nico and even his first point of use, I think that it's just remarkable to see the, just the sheer power of what a child of the big three can just can do. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't take a toll. I mean, I'm pretty sure we've seen moments where Percy has used a lot of his power and ended up taking consequences because of it. And and I think there's one specific part that's really, really catching my eye, and that the fact that it's that Nico is fading. Whenever Nico uses m- more of, I guess, I'm assuming, his limit of power, he begins to have this fade, just like how spirits have that fading kind of um, complex about them, because they're not they're not really alive. So they have that, 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 that body of theirs from when they were alive, but it's faded. So maybe if Nico continues to use the land of the dead and uses it more than he's allowed to or what his limit is, then maybe this is a way of Hades punishing him or maybe giving him a warning saying you can't, you can't really go past that limit. You're not allowed to go past the limit or else consequences will ensue. So it's very interesting to see what exactly this fading stuff will be and what the good news and the bad news will be. So right after the break, we will return to chapter 32, Nico. So see you then. And we're back from the ads and now we're going to read chapter 32, Nico. Three days? Nico wasn't sure he'd heard her right the first dozen times. We couldn't move you, Reyna said. I mean, literally, you couldn't be moved. You had almost no substance. If it weren't for Coach Hedge, eh, no biggie, the coach assured him. One time in the middle of a playoff game, I had to splint a quarterback like with nothing but tree branches and strapping tape. Despite his nonchalance, the satyr had bags under his eyes. His cheeks were sunken. He looked almost as bad as Nico felt. Nico couldn't believe he'd been unconscious for so long. He recounted his weird dreams, the mutterings of Ella the Harpy, the glimpse of Melly the Clown Nymph, which worried the coach. But Nico felt as if those visions had lasted only seconds. According to Reyna, it was the afternoon of July 30th. He'd been in a shadow coma for days. The Romans will attack Camp Half-Blood the day after tomorrow. Nico sipped more Gatorade, which was nice and cold, but without flavor. His taste buds seemed to have phased into the shadow world permanently. We have to hurry. I have to get ready. No! Reyna pressed her hand against his forearm, making the bandages crinkle. Any more shadow travel will kill you! He gritted his teeth. If it kills me, it kills me. We have to get the statue to Camp Half-Blood. Hey, kid! Said the coach. I appreciate your dedication, but if you zap us all into eternal darkness along with the Athena Parthenos... It's not going to help anybody. Bryce Lawrence was right about that. 
At the mention of Bryce, Raina's metallic dogs pricked up their ears and snarled. Raina stared at the kind of rocks, her eyes full of torment, as more unwelcome spirits might have emerged from the grave. Nico took a breath, getting a nose full of Hedge's fragrant home remedy. Raina, I... I didn't think what I did to Bryce. You destroyed him, Raina said. You turned him into a ghost, and yes, it reminded me of what happened to my father. I didn't mean to scare you, Nico said bitterly. I didn't mean to... to poison another friendship. I'm sorry. Raina studied his face. Nico, I have to admit, the first day you were unconscious, I didn't know what to think or feel. What you did was hard to watch, hard to process. Coach Hedge chewed on a stick. I gotta agree with the girl on this one, kid. Smashing someone's head with a baseball bat, that's one thing. But ghostifying that creep? That was some dark stuff. Nico expected to feel angry, to shout at them for trying to judge him. That's what he normally did, but his anger wouldn't materialize. He still felt plenty of rage toward Bryce Lawrence and Gaia and the Giants. He wanted to find the auger Octavian and strangle him with his chain belt, but he wasn't mad at Reyna or the coach. Why did you bring me back? He asked. You knew I couldn't help you anymore. You should have found another way to keep going with the statue, but you wasted three days watching over me. Why? Coach Edge snorted. You're part of the team, you idiot. We're not going to leave you behind. It's more than that. Reyna has rested her hand on Nico's. While you were asleep, I did a lot of thinking. What I told you about my father, I never shared that with anyone. I guess I knew you were the right person to confide in. You lifted some of my burden. I trust you, Nico. Nico stared at her, mystified. How can you trust me? You both felt my anger, saw my worst feelings. Hey, kid, said Coach Edge, his tone softer. We all get angry, even a sweetheart like me. Raina smirked. She squeezed Nico's hand. Coach is right, Nico. You're not the only one who lets the dark out the darkness once in a while. I told you what happened with my dad, and you supported me. You shared your painful experiences. How can we not support you? We're friends. Nico wasn't sure what to say. They'd seen his deepest secrets. They knew who he was, what he was, but they didn't seem to care. No, they cared more. They weren't judging him. They were concerned. None of it made sense to him. But Bryce, I... Nico couldn't continue. You did what had to be done. I see that now, Raina said. Just promise me no more turning people into ghosts if we can avoid it. Yeah, Coach said. Unless you let me wail on them first. Besides, it's not all bad news. Raina nodded. We've seen no uh, sign of other Romans, so it seems Bryce didn't notify anyone else where he was. Also, no sign of Orion. Hopefully that means he was taken down by the hunters. And Hilla? Nico asked. Talia? The lines tightened around Raina's mouth. No word, but I have to believe they're still alive. You didn't tell him the best news, the coach prompted. Raina frowned. Maybe because it's so hard to believe. Coach Hedge found thinks he found another way to transport the statue. It's all he's talked about for the past three days, but so far we've seen no sign of- Hey! It'll happen! Coach grinned at Nico. You remember that paper airplane I got right before Creepmeister Lawrence came up? It was a message from one of Melly's contacts in the Palace of Aeolus. This harpy, Nuggets? She and Melly will go way back. 
Anyway, she knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a horse who knows a goat who knows another horse. Coach, Raina shied You'll make him sorry he came out of his coma. Heh, <laughs> fine, the satyr huffed. Long story short, I pulled in a lot of favors. I got word to the right wind-type spirits that we needed help. The letter I ate, confirmation that the cavalry is coming. They said that it would take a while to organize, but he should be here soon. Any minute, in fact. Who's he? Nico asked. What cavalry? Raina stood abruptly. She stared toward the north, her face slack with awe. That cavalry? Nico followed her gaze. A flock of birds was approaching. Large birds. They got closer and Nico realized they were horses with wings. At least half a dozen in V-formation without riders. Flying on point was a massive stallion with a golden coat and multicolored plumage like a uh, eagle's. His wingspan twice as wide as the other horses. Pegasi, Nico said. He summoned enough to carry the statue. Coach laughed in delight. Ha <laughs> ha! Not just any Pegasi, kid. You're in for a real treat. The stallion in front. Raina shook her head in disbelief. That's the Pegasus. The immortal lord of horses. And that's the end of chapter 32. Well, nonetheless to say that it, they, these two were a very fascinating set of chapters. I think that, once again, we got to explore that dynamic between Reyna and Nico. And it was interesting to see how the chapters were placed in a way where Nico and Reyna just had that conversation about Reyna's dad and what exactly had gone down. And then the the battle that ensues right after involves a similar process. And it reminds Reyna of the exact same story that she had told Nico just a few days ago. So it's just really interesting to see how some of these situations are just so spontaneous. They don't they don't give any time to really let that what let that friendship that creation of a friendship, that bonding of a friendship, sink in. And I think that's such a fascinating thing with these, with these books is that sometimes these kind of dynamics are just so unexpected that it almost makes you not knowing what's going to happen the next time you see something like this. I mean, when you see this kind of character development, is there something sudden that's going to test this kind of character development? Is there going to be rather another avenue in which we can start exploring another part of the character? There's so many possibilities that it just leaves me in awe every time I read these chapters. And I think that it is truly great to see how we're finally getting to see Reyna and Nico's friendship evolve. And I think that this battle was just yet another way to solidify that bond. So that concludes our reading for this episode. We will now move on to the Q&A session. Quick two disclaimers before I go into the Q&A session. Number one, if I do skip your name or your question, do please let me know in the comments for this episode and I will try my best to get to you. Um, Just if anybody's wondering how to get to that, uh, you would go to Spotify. I do believe they have a requirement on how many episodes you have to read. Um, but once you've listened to enough episodes, I do believe that they will give you that ability to comment. So if you are wishing to ask me a question or ask me, uh, wanting to get your name shouted out, head on over to Spotify and they'll be, and it'll be able to help you with that. 
And then second disclaimer is that if I don't answer your question, sometimes it is because um, at the moment I do not feel too comfortable answering that question. Um, nothing wrong on the person asking the question is just at the moment I don't feel um, that it is the right time for me to answer that. However, I do hope in the future I will be able to answer that question. So without further ado, let's start with the Q&A session. First on, moving to shoutouts, we have Leo Valdezinator, Team Leo, and Nico is very cool. Thank you, guys. Now, moving on to the Q&A session. Number one, can you solve a Rubik's Cube? Nope. Um, I tried, gave up, then tried again, gave up. And yeah, it's been a roller coaster. So I've just been trying and then giving up. Uh, but yes, I do hope to get that someday. Uh, next question is, favorite character other than Leo? Hmm. I would probably have to say either Coach Hedge or Annabeth. Now, the reason why I say this is obviously I'm one for humor. So Coach Hedge is up there and Percy. Uh, very comedic people other than Leo. And Annabeth is because I, I admire her. I think that intelligence is something that is just I something that I admire a lot. And I think that Annabeth with her with her and it, not just her intelligence, but her passion, her passion to follow what she wants to pursue and arch in architecture. I think that's something that I really look up to as um, as I do this podcast and I just read about the actions that Annabeth simply does, whether they're minor or they're major in any way. They all just remind they all just make me look up to her as sort of a role model, just seeing how. Her motivation and just her sheer work ethic, it makes me, it makes me motivated as well, is all I would want to say. Uh, next question is, could you rate the demigods on a scale of 1 to 10? See, here's the interesting part about that. The reason why I would give all of them a 10 is because I'm rating them based on uniqueness. And I think that each demigod has a unique aspect of them. Sure, they have flaws. All of them have flaws. But I think the, the fact that they also have that unique spark about them, it just makes them all 10s. Or, eh, if we want to be honest, I'll give a 9. But all of them are just so unique. And they have reasons for those flaws. That just what, that's what makes it even more interesting is the fact that the way they grow, grew up and the way that their experience at Camp Half-Blood or Camp Jupiter has shaped them to be the person that they are today is something so in interesting to see. And just when you see those flaws within them, which is totally okay to have flaws, it just... it makes a lot more sense. So, yeah. As long as they work on those flaws and as long as they strive to improve themselves... I take that as a win. And I think that that's a truly a hard work put in effort that I see these demigods doing on a daily basis with these books in in these books. Next question is, if you could make friends and hang out with any of one of the members of the seven, who would it be? Now, see, if I was being biased, I would choose Leo. But I would also want to who would be the most interesting? Let's see. You know, I would actually, I would actually like to um, spend some time with Mr. D. I think that he's he's underrated. 
if I'm gonna be honest. I think that him as the director, he's pretty good. And I would really like to play a, a game of cards with him while holding a can of Diet Coke. So that would be nice. Uh, next question is, if you go to Camp Half-Blood, would you stay there year-long or just for the summer? So I have no uh, confidence in my ability to fight off monsters. So yes, I would probably be there year-long. Um, yeah. Or at least I would stay there a year long un- until I had the capability or the confidence in my abilities. Because if I start from zero confidence, yes, I'm staying there year long. But if I go from if I start learning on those abilities, then maybe I can go just for the summer. So yes. Uh, next question is: Do you play any games by Mojang? Um, I don't believe not at the moment. No. Next question is: Favorite minor god? Uh, Hypnos. I love sleep. Uh, next question is, what do you think about the book so far and expectations for the end of the series? I think the books are really... The plot analysis and the character analysis are just really fascinating to look at. I mean, we have... We see this we, we see this pattern of where in Percy Jackson and the Olympians, they're going against Kronos. And then in this one, they're going against the mother of all the monsters, Gaia. But it's not just that. It's more about how all of these characters are evolving. Remember, I'm pretty sure these are they're all in their teens right now. So not only are you seeing a bunch of teen demigods trying to figure out how to beat one of the biggest goddesses in all of Olympus, but you're also seeing the connections that they're making with each other and with the others around them. And you're seeing those dynamics affect how they fight, how they react, how they act, and how they are just as people in general. And I think that there's definitely going to be some hardships. And I think that as the prophecy goes on, we're bound to see those hardships happen. It's going to be either Jason or Leah who takes the downfall. And that's just the start of all the other struggles that these demigods will have to go through. So I think that this book so far has given us a really good taste as to potential foreshadowing. It's given us a good taste as to characters that we only saw from one perspective, now seeing it from their own perspective, giving us this omniscient view. It really, really provides us with an even clearer understanding. So yes, I think that this these books so far and the end of the series will be one good ride. That concludes our Q&A session. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope, And in the next episode, we will continue reading this with chapters 32 to 33, starting from Leo's perspective. So we'll see how that goes. Next week, we will read these chapters. And until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom.